0: Iceman, a podcast presented by Tuned Up Custom Rods.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the studio. We're super excited tonight. We've got a guest in studio, Lindsay Hayes. Welcome.
2: Thank you guys for for having me. And good music to start the podcast. I like it.
1: Well, I don't want to brag, but I definitely played that, so (laughs) I'll take it. Um, John, did you ever realize or ever think that we were going to have a legitimate Emmy Award winner at our table? No. (laughs) No, I I wouldn't even. I couldn't even fathom that. You literally won an Emmy.
2: I did a Midwest Regional Emmy here here in Minnesota. So it was, it was very exciting. But I don't take all the effort because it is always a team win. Um, there's a lot of photographers and editors out there that make me look really good. So, yeah, it was really fun, though, just to have some of the stories that we've been able to tell get recognized that they yeah. thought they were Emmy-worthy.
1: So That's amazing well for those of you who don't know you uh you should know but Lindsay is a tv personality you see her across lots of different mediums um you know i, I first saw you on fox sports north and watching things like um made for the outdoors i've, I've watched the Lumacraft episode like eight times recently because i just ordered one so uh, i i have got that factory in the back of my head especially the uh with the purple bath, I think. Yes. And exactly. their, and their rivets. <laughs> Those are the two parts that stood out to me.
2: Yeah. It's always fun. We've gotten to feature so many different companies that are based in Minnesota. And that's been really mind blowing to me, I guess, just how many products for the outdoors are right in our backyard and made here in Minnesota. And that's really how I got to know you guys originally too.
0: Yeah, because you featured tuned up. Right. This this was a long time ago too. This but was pre-, pre me for pre- sure. Pre-, pre you, this was before we were in this shop. Um, we were real small and trying to just grow and we got an opportunity and you came in and did an awesome segment for made for the outdoors and you know it it is it was it's still a really cool program but uh it it was a really big deal for us like oh yeah it, it was is. huge I mean I still watch it like in I mean yeah, it's I on YouTube at, Cause my wife was on it and I look, I was like, I was so young then. <laughs> I didn't even have gray hair yet.
2: <laughs> well, it's an interesting concept. I think for television, you're always trying to find something that's different because there are a hundred fishing shows or a hundred hunting shows out there. Um, but people are very passionate about, like you said, you are getting an Illumicraft boat. Mm-hmm. So you're passionate about seeing a, an Illumicraft made from beginning to end yep. and then getting out and actually using that product And so I think that it connects with people because of the fact that it's like the product that they use and it's their baby. Or Mm -hmm. as I like to say, you know, doing like Matthews or something like it's, it's an extension of your left arm, you know, and, and really getting to see all of the different things and highlighting manufacturing. That's a lot of it made here in the USA, especially right now is, is huge, which is, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And then I of course had to watch the the Lund version. Oh yeah, to see to see which one was, I liked the better one. I definitely liked the Lumacraft better. It was the one with the purple bath.
2: Oh yeah, with the pur- yeah that Lund, was
1: Lund did a bath, but it wasn't purple, John. <laughs> so they couldn't see the
0: leaks as good. Did you see the article in the Star Tribune uh, about uh, Minnesota boat manufacturers just today? Yeah, how yeah. that's just insane. They're just like struggling to keep up with the demand because people are just like flocking to the outdoors because there's nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. When we
1: ordered ours. They basically told us if you know. We're not trying to pressure you, but if you don't order now, you're probably not getting one this year.
2: Yeah. And it's been interesting for me too. So I have a lot of clients across kind of the outdoor industry and it's been, you know, the pandemic hit and a lot of people were really scared to see what this was going to bring. And it has helped solidify a connection for a lot of people back to the outdoors Mm. because they can travel internationally. They couldn't travel across the country. So it's what's right here in Minnesota in your backyard that you could finally tap into and do. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people that are hurting and it's very sad to still hear about all of that. But then it's also very interesting to see a lot of outdoor clients. They're having 300%, 500% increase in sales because, people are turning to everything recreational Mm -hmm. outdoors because that's really the only thing that's safe. And I've said throughout the pandemic, like my mental sanity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's here only because, You know, right when the pandemic hit, turkey season was there. That was the first time during the pandemic that I felt normal. Like I'm out in, I'm out in my blind. It's just me, myself and I, and I'm loving life and everything feels normal. And then you go back to the reality of putting your mask on and not going out to restaurants or socializing. And that's been hard for me because I I am a social butterfly. (laughs)
1: It's
2: tough. (laughs) So the outdoors has been that like connection still that's normal.
1: Yeah. That's one thing that that at tuned up. We've had to kind of figure out how to navigate our feelings on the on the whole th- pandemic because it has been obviously you know tragic for so many people with you know suffering from illness and from death and and it's touched everyone. My my wife's grandma passed away from COVID, and at the same time, we've had a really very good year as far as a company goes. Well, yeah, when
0: you, when you take the first part of the year in March, <clears throat> when we started kind of shutting the world down, everyone was nervous. Every business owner looked at their books and went, I'm either going to thrive or die. There's mm-hmm. no in between. Yeah. And I guess we kind of did a, a pretty big adjustment, and we've changed the way we've done business um, pretty drastically. A walk-in traffic is down tremendously, but then online sales are up tremendously. So it, do, it does balance out, but there's – you know, as I say that it it's probably COVID is good for some things. It's really bad for other things. And one of the, the highlights is just, is just being able to be out in the outdoors with my kid more. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have school for a year. We did a lot of stuff that were, it was, you know, was not school activities. We went out and did stuff. We went out and looked for deer. We went out and looked for, you know, birds and stuff like that and try to teach him other things than just, you know, numbers and reading And I think that stuff is interesting. You know, as I'm a teacher
1: and I taught lessons from my fish house and I didn't hide it. I didn't hide the fact that I was fishing. I was like, hey, kids, look what I'm doing. Let's talk about math. Well, and it
2: should be. I really think so. I come from a long line of teachers and educators as well. And I joke with my mom when she was a principal that I feel like every school should have an outdoor curriculum no matter what, like people should, the kids should be able to identify what types of trees are there, what type of fish is this, you know, um, and not be like little Lindsay that everything was a walleye. <laughs> <laughs> my, my grandpa was a uh, head of the fisheries for the DNR in Northern Wisconsin. And so I was lucky enough to have a really great role model from a very young age, getting me out in the boat and taking me fishing to like learn about it. And the rules were, if you're coming, you're going to have to put your own worm on, you're going to have to touch your own fish and you're going to have to tell me what kind of fish it was. And they have videos of me as a little girl pulling in a bluegill and him saying, Lindsay, what is it? And I'm yelling, it's a walleye. (laughs) Everything was a walleye because my grandpa taught me that walleye was the prized possession. So for the first uh, couple years there, I was a little confused. My identifying is a little better these days.
1: (laughs) I totally agree with you though, that the importance of having sporting and outdoors in school you know, I teach fourth grade, and in our in our school, every year I run a, a fishing club with with John's help, actually, yeah. Tuned Up's help. I actually really missed that. Sadly. Yeah, we but. missed it last year, where we take out um, we take out ten or 12 fifth graders um, in the year, and we do like an after school program to teach them about fishing, and then through uh, Tuned Up's generosity, they they donate a custom rod to each kid, so they get their own they get to wrap it however they want and put their name on it. And then it ends with us going fishing for the day. And it's an awesome thing, you know, yeah. for for the, a lot of the kids, uh, by design for, on our part, we choose people who don't have a lot of fishing experience, you know, and then they walk away with the tool and with some knowledge and hopefully, you know, a desire to keep doing it. Yeah. Get That's hooked. the goal. <laughs> and it's been awesome. You know, parents have commented and kids have come back and commented on it and, yeah, it was sad last year that we didn't get to do it.
0: It was weird not doing it because, I mean, as much as I love doing it, it was always the rush of getting all these kids' rods done. Because the funny thing about kids, they don't look at colors on rods like adults do. <laughs> they pick some crazy color schemes. And it's like, how in the world are we going to make this work? Or, um, But it, it, it's a lot of fun. And those kids, you could see the smile on their face when they get their rod that they picked out the colors. And they get their sweet, wacky rig. And it's, it's a, it's a blast. Yeah. And,
1: uh, we got to start talking pretty soon cause that's, uh, i to start making those rods for this oh, year. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up. So we started talking about, you know, your background, Lindsay, and, and you, you are known for being on TV mm-hmm. through various different Sunday morning programs and, and different sporting things. Um, and you have your own company now. Yep. It's uh forever wild. Is that yes. correct? Forever wild LLC. Yeah. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so basically, I've gone through a lot of different television types of industries. When I started in news, I moved from there to sports, and then I moved from there to outdoors. So I've enjoyed all of them. Uh, Definitely, news was more for me to get some good reps of four hours of live TV. You you get pretty good real quick, no matter what you is thrown at you, just because you're kind of thrown to the wolves, Um, but. When I started out in broadcasting, it was really, a, I was an athlete growing up. And I was in college and trying to find what's the next best thing to playing and being on the field. And I thought, well, I'll be the play by play announcer. And then I get to be really close to the action still. And um, then I went off and, and started doing sports. And I still realized like something is just kind of missing. Like I love this, but. I miss telling stories, and I really miss the adventure. And it wasn't until you know about six years ago that I really started to feel like outdoors is more a fit for me. I don't claim to be the best angler. I don't claim to be the best hunter or any of those things. I love to tell people's passion about it. And I also don't feel like it's like foreign nature to me. I really grew up doing it. So I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, and I had to rough it and bale hay and milk cows as a kid. And and the fun for me was sports and getting to go hunting and fishing and any reason to not have to clean out calf (laughs) pens. And so that's kind of like where it started. And um, so anyway, with Forever Wild, I just really wanted to tap into any sort of avenue of telling stories about the outdoors because I don't want it to always be about me. Actually, most of the time I prefer it's not about me. And I just like love to hear like how you guys got your start and how other people's passion or like a father daughter relationship and how that is solidified because of the outdoors. Those are the things. And so my media company basically is, Telling stories for clients. We sometimes build commercials. We do anything you name it, broadcast related slash outdoors or sports.
1: I would imagine that it gives you some more control too as far as where you're working and things like that. Yeah. You said you're from Wisconsin. Where where in Wisconsin?
2: So I grew up um right down by the Wisconsin Dells oh, on a farm, Reedsburg, and we still have our family farm. It's multi-generational and it's it's my baby. I've actually been lucky enough to that's the only place I've ever called home. I've lived in the same house my entire life, um, and we still have it. And my dad and brother still have about 100 cows that we do, beef cattle, and then 243 acres of crops there. Mm-hmm. And, but that's also where I've hunted. So I have my same section of the woods that is known as Lindsay's Valley. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody touches Lindsay's Valley but Lindsay, uh, which is really nice. So know what? too many big bucks have frequented my valley the last couple years. So Lindsay's Valley might need to move. But a fall. few of them have. I've definitely seen the pictures.
1: You've, you've found a few.
2: Yeah. So, um, but it's nice to have that. And then I'm obviously based up here in Minnetonka is where I call home a lot of the time because a lot of my work stuff is here in Minneapolis. Sure.
1: So, um, I'm trying to think of that area of Wisconsin. I, I went to a school in Winona. Okay. My, my wife went to La Crosse and, there is a, a golf course and ski resort just south of the Dells. Christmas De- Mountain? No, it's Devil's Something.
2: Oh, there's like Devil's Lake. Is it Devil's there Lake? There is a Devil's Lake, like a, it's an upstate park there.
1: Yeah, that might be what it is. It I has some say,
2: great fishing. It has a beautiful lake that's right there. That you, but that
1: landscape is so different from, you know, north of the Dells where it's like all flat and prairie. Right. And then you drop down into the into the valleys. Is yeah. that, is that more what you guys are?
2: Yeah. So we have a ton of valleys and actually, um, our farm is up on the top of the Hill. And, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool from the farm. You can see Christmas mountain, which is about 30 miles away. Oh, sure. And so you, yeah, you can actually see off into the distance that far of the rolling Hills. So yeah, it's a it's beautiful awesome. place to grow up I, I'm a country girl. I like the city, but, um, I much more, like to be out in the woods and just kind of peace and quiet and alone is is more my game. <laughs> yeah.
1: I imagine when you got started into Uh, the news and in sports, you kind of went where the jobs were. Yeah. You were, you were in Detroit for a while.
2: I was. Yeah. And so I think it's very interesting in TV and in broadcasting that I think a a lot more than other industries, some people will say, I'm picking Minneapolis. That's where I want to live. And I'm going to go find the job that I want to there. Whereas in broadcasting, it's more of along the lines of you just like cast out a net of like, this is what I want to do, which market will take me. And you really, it's not necessarily always the size of the city because there are a lot of big cities, but it's their demographic, you know, their market size is is basically what a lot of people will change markets for is to keep jumping up the ladder Mm -hmm. and then once you get like we're lucky here in minneapolis it's a top 15 market in the country so there are a lot of people that finally come here and then stay because it's actually one where you can make a living uh i think everyone thinks television now is always so glitz and glamour and (laughs) that you make as much money as the people on the today show and You slowly realize that uh, starting out in television, I was like, I'm going to make what? I just went to college for four years, and (laughs) I think I could get a better job without, you know?
1: It's one of those, it seems like an industry where you kind of have to pay your dues. You do. You know, you're starting off in Rochester or whatever, and you're working your way up to Duluth, and then...
0: But I think it's because, I mean, you're kind of a household name now. People recognize you, and it's like, oh, if you're on, hey, I'll watch her. It's not always about what you're what you're promoting or what you're selling or what you're kind of talking about. It's more of the personalities that people start to like, you know, and they, yeah. Which, which the outdoors, that's been a great. In Minnesota, I think people get real connected to their small group of people that they watch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's fabulous. And that was one of the things I noticed in Detroit as well as here in Minnesota. Detroit is a great sports town. And a lot of people are like, you're moving to Detroit. But man, like covering professional sports in Detroit, they live and breathe for those teams. And you just have really, truly diehard fans coming here to Minnesota. Same type of thing Um, coming into the outdoor industry. I mean, people religiously are watching Fox Sports North and they're watching it for their sports teams and they're also tuning in and watching those outdoor shows, which I think is an awesome, you know, combination to have and that loyalty. And I also like to joke and say too that, you know, it's 20 below outside, so <laughs> why not just sit why not and watch, watch fishing if you're not going to go out and fish last weekend? <laughs> I really
1: hope that that Fox Sports North and, and whatever the parent company is called can can come to some sort of a, a understanding with the cable companies and the different providers, because I can't watch it now. Yeah. You know, and it's not covered on,
0: I can't watch it either. It's very annoying. I know
1: I'm stealing your TV.
0: So that's the <laughs> only thing that I get cable for is Fox sports North. The, the rat, It's like, I don't need more Dick Nickelodeon and.
1: Well, I don't know what's going to happen here Nick when the Genius. baseball season starts off. Cause if I, if that doesn't come back to YouTube TV, I, I don't know. I can't not go without baseball.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, it's been really difficult. And that was one of the things that my family joked about, you know, th- them being in Wisconsin a lot. They couldn't always get the shows that were on Fox Sports North, but they were somehow able to when uh, DirecTV did have – have fox sports north and then when they took it off it was like now we can't watch anything anymore and i'm like don't blame me i, got, I have nothing to do with those things <laughs> but i i'm an advocate just like you in the sense of of having it be available more especially for sports too i wish you
0: could just buy that channel i'd pay like five bucks a month and just buy that channel i i don't want i don't want, like I don't do want anything else i don't need cnbc or whatever the the I just want that channel, five bucks a month. There has to be a good reason, but it's hard for people like
1: us to understand.
2: Contracts, good old contracts, the I, fine print. <laughs> I was
1: hearing Marnie Gellner talk about that same issue on, on the power trip, basically. Of, I know, guys, I wish it was working out, too. Please don't yell at me. Yeah, nothing to do with it.
2: Because mm-hmm. you get the, that question a lot of like, why isn't it? And I'm like...
0: Do they, I, do they brief you on it? Do they give you like talking points or like?
2: No, they they don't. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting about it is that it's ever evolving. So I don't think that even if they gave you a talking point, it'd be correct in, in a day or two days or with it. Because there's so much change right now with it, especially since Sinclair bought it, yeah. that I think that it will be interesting to see. 2020 and how different or 2021 and how different a lot of it could potentially continue to look um so yeah it's it's an interesting thing i think that the other amazing thing now that everyone across broadcasting no matter what you're looking at is talking about is, is that tv is is not the only powerhouse i mean you online streaming apps and, and people are pulling the plug left and right. So it's everybody trying to flex to make sure that they still are the ones that are getting the eyeballs. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, even for someone who grew up in it and studied in it to like, Renavigate and constantly continue to learn and evolve because I think like this is awesome that you guys are doing podcasts because they're so hot right now and you can't be a one trick pony in any support of broadcasting anymore and if if you are good luck <laughs> you know but yeah. there's just so many different feelers that you have to be able to even having like a youtube channel I mean it's mind-boggling to me how some people will be like you have to have a tv show on tv no you don't because there are people that have more views than your television show might ever get on YouTube and they're like grinding it out week after week after week. And they're getting those paychecks from the subscribers and the, the views and the commercials on those, on those hits. I was just blown away.
1: I was just thinking watching one of your episodes, what it would have looked like from a YouTube creator, you know, because a lot of times the content is similar. Yep. Um, I think that the production value would be different yeah which is which is something that is in you know TV, TV's known for having high quality content as far as production value um, but yeah the this podcast I mean you, you're seeing what it looks like behind the scenes here Lindsay this is nothing special um, you know and it didn't take a degree for us to to, to slap this thing together so um, I think that it's very smart on your part to to take over some of that. Production ownership and
0: and to kind of do what you want to do because well, you, it gives you a lot of flexibility. You're recognizing a lot of what the world is changing. I mean, Dan and I have talked about this a bunch. Our kids don't watch TV. Yeah, they watch YouTube, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to understand why they watch YouTube because you can if you miss something on a YouTube, you just take your scroll button and scroll back, and you can listen to it again. TV you can't do that, but then TV is usually much higher quality, yep. and like movies are higher quality. But lots of times if I'm looking for information or something, I mean, I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast with uh, The Undertaker. And I was, I was just a to huge fan of yeah. wrestling as a kid. I mean, I still remember in my buddy's basement watching the the Royal Rumbles of the early, I mean, it was like 97, 95, something like that. I mean, they were, they were enormous. But seeing The Undertaker now was like, oh, my God, he's old. I mean that that YouTube it's like I, I watched him and I just it was more mesmerizing just to see him how old he is and, and how much he he's aged like and, every part of him is broken. Yeah, he's <laughs> I listen to that. He too. should not be alive. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean it, I think media is changing and I think people are starting to recognize that YouTube is really powerful. I mean and podcasts are really powerful and I think people wanna listen to people in certain ways and they wanna watch people and then TV is still you know, you wake up on Sunday morning and you watch that Fox Sports North chunk of time, and it, it is a real education thing.
2: Yeah. And I think it's also changing in the outdoors, which I, you know, you talk about technology of like we were just saying, underwater cameras, or I just saw a video of people sitting in there, you know, oh, it's negative 20 outside, but they're in their Ice Castle Fish House and they've got the big screen TV in there showing the underwater camera of the fish, you know, that are there. So I think. It's really kind of mind-blowing on all fronts of how many people also now are filming themselves, doing their outdoor activities. And like everyone is really tech-savvy more with their phone and, and getting their own video content out there, however they express themselves.
0: Well, what I've really enjoyed... Sorry, I'm oh, sorry. No, I, I, I'm just thinking even five... Say, let's go back 10 years. You, when you would go out fishing and you wanted a fish picture, you had to bring a camera, not a digital camera, a, a film camera. Maybe <laughs> maybe not quite 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. But, th- I mean, digital cameras changed it. Now my phone takes better pictures than any of my digital cameras ever will. And it's like the technology is getting smaller, lighter, more easily available, and really easier to use. My kids make yeah. great videos Everyone, on their phone. Everyone's able
1: to have a voice now that everyone else has access to hearing. But I think that there's a lot to be said that there's a lot of voices that people don't need to spend time listening to. Mm -hmm. And what I, I, I find there's a lot of value in a story that's well told. Yes. And having there be, having you get something from it other than just 20 minutes have gone by and you've sat there and watched it because this guy talks loud and does, you know, wild things. Yeah. And that's something that I've always really appreciated about the shows that I've seen you on, you know, the Travel Wisconsin and the Destination Polaris. And, you know, it's all about, it's all about telling a story that's something that, you know, a guy with a GoPro could go out and ride a four-wheeler around in the mountains. Yeah. But you need to have that skill to, to, to arc all that stuff together in a way that, that has a draw for people other than. Someone who just really wants to see someone ride a four-wheeler.
2: Yeah. And I think that's been something that I really try to emphasize a lot because when you talk to a lot of different clients or whatever, one of the first things that you get asked in 2021 versus what I would have got asked probably seven years ago is, well, how many followers do you have and what's your reach? (laughs) And I said, hold on a second. If you're looking for an influencer... That may not be the right fit for with me because I'm a journalist and like I am a storyteller. And yes, I have a social media following, and I'm happy with the social media following that I have. But at the same time, like I'm a storyteller. And mm-hmm. that's like my avenue in the outdoors is not to be watch Lindsay fish, watch Lindsay hunt, watch Lindsay do this. I'm not the pro. Like, I want to go out and tell your story and why you're passionate about the outdoors and tell a good, well-thought-out story. And so that's the that's really like what makes my heart on fire. You know, like that same feeling as when you've got a big fish on the line or you've got a big buck in front of you and your heart really is going like, that's when I can craft like a well-crafted story. Those are the ones that like, that's why I like my job. That's when I'm like, yes. And I do get to go some cool places. I will not <laughs> complain. My husband was just saying to me, um, half of December I was gone and I was fishing and he's like, That's work. You didn't even have to take vacation. And I was like, (laughs) yes, yes, that was work.
0: (laughs) But I'm sure you know this too. Fishing for your enjoyment versus fishing for something, either photography or video. Fishing for photography is awful because apparently fish don't like cameras, they don't like flashes, and they don't like nice days.
2: Yeah, 100%. I joke about it all the time that... Uh, My brother has said he wants to get into filming and doing this stuff and he lives in the woods and like loves every season. It's like, what's the next one, what's the next one? And I tell him, I'm like, you do understand, though, like doing a television show about the outdoors isn't just like going out there, doing the hunt, and then it's done. You have now like a month work of work of editing, of logging all of that, of writing out a script, of closed captioning, of making sure color correction and everything is, is good before it gets to go on air. And you have to do that aspect of the show, too, to make it all work. And I love all of those aspects. Others, I understand that may not sound as exciting, but that is part of it, you know, too. (laughs) But that's
0: why your content is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you you look at your content. So you take, say, an amateur YouTuber or something like that, and they they produce. It's like, oh, that was pretty good. Then you look at yours. You're like, that's amazing. Your your whole story is better. You can tell it's thought out, and it's it's much more pleasurable to watch. It's just it's it's going to be a better show. And it's, I guess, more engaging, too. It's not a TikTok video. Well, in YouTube, a lot of times the goal is to make sure the camera's in focus.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I
1: guess that's the difference between a silver play button and an Emmy.
2: Exactly, yeah. Well, and I think the bottom line, too, is I think people beat themselves up about getting always the perfect shot. But the best one I can describe is one of the ones that was my proudest story that I ever did was about a girl who was terminally ill going on her first elk hunt. And you, I had it played out in my head when we went out to Wyoming of what it was going to be like, like telling the photographer, get these shots, get this shot. This is going to be perfect. They're going to tell her story. Her dad is out here, you know, she's 16 years old. Her story is just so heartbreaking, but this is going to be such an amazing moment for her. And she wasn't able to get out to a normal, like stock hunt. So it had to be a blind. And on the way in, It's barely, like, the camera is so grainy because it's barely light out. There's a lone satellite bull, 15 seconds of the animal before it's dead because she just, like, fired rapidly, and it was the perfect (laughs) hunt for her. But TV-wise, it was a little rough because we had about 15 seconds of of video to work with. (laughs) But the camera shot of her afterwards, like, screaming and cheering and crying and embracing her dad, like it wasn't in perfect focus it was the camera getting shaken as he's moving from the shot over to her but it was like the money maker because everybody can understand that feeling if they've ever been there
1: mm-hmm.
2: or wishes to have that moment like you can sh- you know share with your dad or something because it took me back when i saw it like to when i got my first deer with my dad and being 12 years old And like shooting and be like, daddy, daddy, I can't reload. Daddy, I can't, you have to shoot it. And sure enough, he's like, baby girl, it's down. You did, you did great. You got it. Mm -hmm. You know, but it takes you back to those moments that you can kind of relate to in your life. And those are the things like, that I'm like, I love, I love about the job. I,
1: I think that just having that realism, that real honest emotion is huge. Yeah. It's like why. People like to see the cast members on SNL break, right? You know, it's it's (laughs) honest. That's what you watch for, though. You watch for the real stuff. You don't watch for the scripted stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think we should take a break. We've been talking for a bit, Um, so we'll take a quick break. Hear from our sponsors, and then we got a lot more to talk about, Lindsay. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Dan from the Iceman coming to talk about our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods. If you're in the market for a new custom rod, check out TunedUpCustomRods.com. We've got ice going off here just around the corner. Now is the time to put your order in for that new open water rod. Use the promo code ICEMAN. That's one word, ICEMAN, at checkout to save
0: 10%. And since Dan's thinking about ice going away, I want to say that March is the best time for ice So, I want to offer up thefreedombaits.com guys for the code ACPF10 for 10% off in your next order. Can't believe you're
1: thinking about open water. John, you fall through the ice every year. I know, but I tell you that March is your favorite time. You fall
0: through the ice every year. I fall through in January, though. I don't (laughs) fall through in March. (laughs) Then you're fishing entirely the wrong place. Knock on wood and telling my wife that I'm not falling through in March. You did fall through last March, didn't you? Uh, no, I fell through twice in January. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. If you're falling through in January, you're doing it wrong. I fell into a river off of a snowmobile at night. And then I fell through my parents' like, trying to get my, hopefully my dad's not listening to it, and trying to get a snowblower unstuck because I was plowing snow. <laughs> no,
1: you did it wrong. Yeah, I know.
0: All right, let's do a giveaway. We
1: should do a let's giveaway. Let's do a giveaway. Okay, so earlier in this episode, we were talking with Lindsay and you were mentioning your family farm. And that from your family farm, you could see a resort in Wisconsin. So the first person to comment on our Facebook page with the name of that resort in Wisconsin is going to win a mega pack of baits from Freedom Baits and a t-shirt from Tuned Up Custom Rods.
0: Absolutely. And maybe something else. Oh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> depends on how John's feeling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, who knows? Whoever gets the first comment and by timestamp, the name of that resort, Wisconsin Farm. Lindsay, thanks again for being here. We appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun, and
0: it's talking
1: about a side of the entertainment world that I don't know anything about. John, I, I don't know if you know much about it, but
0: I was on Made for the Outdoors Remember that. That's
1: true. I forgot, I was on, I forgot it. Yeah, yeah.
2: He's a, he's now a celebrity yeah. status we, after yeah. <laughs> after those more than definitely more than fifteen seconds of fame. It was far more than that. Like so. two
0: minutes. I mean, that's that's huge in my world. I yeah. was on TV and YouTube and.
2: No, but speaking of your rods, I do need to give you guys like so much credit. It's been really fun to get to see where you guys have transformed from when I first met you until now and how that continues to grow. And I think that it's fun just to not only be someone who got to tell your story, but then also get to use your product. And I have had so much fun, especially this winter, um, just getting to use both the bullwhip and the precision out on the water. And with my family, actually, uh, just last weekend, we were slaying crappies um, and it was just super fun. You know, my my family is very diverse. And so we have some that are very attention oriented to detail about what their gear looks like. And then we have the others that are like, okay, I'm just going to get like, the cheapest rod I can find for ice fishing. I really don't care about ice fishing. I only like open water. And so to have them get just like put theirs away and then say, I'm oh, like, all right, I'll let you use mine for a little <laughs> while. I was like having to like pull the death grip that they had on my rod to get it back and make sure double and triple check that it was still in my rod case when <laughs> I left the ice. <laughs> so, so you so have a family
0: man. like mine because my family... <laughs> They, they no longer openly, I mean, they don't hide it. They just openly take stuff. Oh, yeah. they, I put a new rod in the rack, and I'm like, where did it go? I just put it, it was brand new. But it's like, what rod? I go and look in his boat, and it's in there. Or I go and look at his ice rod case, it's in there. The old one's back in the case, right in the spot. I'm like, Dad, you can't just take stuff. I mean, you can tell me you take it, but you can't. <laughs>
2: But just, see, the problem is that they think that they all have the same last name as you. So if they have the same last name, then what's mine is yours and yours is mine. But uh, it doesn't quite work that way.
1: They no. they are the ones who taught John how to hoard tackle, too. So <laughs> it's not like uh, you can make too many excuses for them. I, I, do, but not, I, have to I also, do not hoard tackle. Oh, <laughs> you hoard it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, just I mean, a little?
2: Yeah. See, but I can't complain too much because... Now I might have maybe some of the nicer gear, but like dad was the first one to ever get me a rod and he got me many rods along the way. So now it's like my turn to kind of return the favor and and show him like the underwater camera. Oh my gosh, it was like, I felt like I was bringing him, I don't know, like a little small lottery winning, just watching him laugh and sit there and watch on the camera and watch the bluegills come in. My dad is more, he loves... A good fish fry. And so his goal is, like, my brother is more about, like, give me the size. Like, I need to have a monster fish on the ice for this weekend to be exciting. Whereas my dad's like, give me 25 nice gills so I can go home and flay them up and cook them tonight, and I'm good.
1: Wisconsin fish fry.
2: Yeah, so they're very, it's very funny and different how they're, like, we grew up all the same, but we all have very different ways of what we like to fish, and so
0: that might be a generational thing though because my dad's more of a he's he's a meat type fisherman i think probably most dads of the previous generation are a little bit more meat eaters my grandpa
2: won't be in a a hut any sort of he won't go in an ice castle or anything he believes that you should go either sit on a old bucket or stand out in the cold and jig and that i'm just like okay (laughs) like i appreciate it he grew up in northern wisconsin I appreciate all of the roughing it that we did as kids, but I, I do like it when it's 75 and I don't have to have my coat on. And I, I, I kind of <laughs>
0: agree with you. I mean, I'm I mean I'm a little bit more I'm what people always think is caveman-ish, but I kind of like when my hands are not frozen mm. or yes. actually working. Yeah,
2: exactly. So you can be out there all day. Because yeah. last weekend – so we have a place up by Gordon, Wisconsin, and I always laugh because people say like, oh, I'm going up to my cabin for the weekend. Well, it's not
0: cabins in Wisconsin, cottages. it's yeah, cottages. cottages. Yeah. That's I've been corrected many times. They're no longer cabins, they're cottages.
2: Well, I don't know what this one is. I would <laughs> consider it a cabin slash cottage slash, I don't know, because I mean, it has no running water. You have an outhouse outside. We've got like a girl's room and the guy's room and a bunch of cots and like a full kitchen but it's, you're roughing it. Like it was four days of just like no showers, you know, just go out. We fish from morning until night and then we'd get up and do it all over again. And you make sure that the wood stove is burning. So you stay warm throughout the night, but it was nice. Like it's a good change of pace from to go back and appreciate running water again, when you come back <laughs> home and get a good shower.
0: <laughs> That's a good reset, but I mean I think after a couple of days of no showering I mean, you're you're fine then. You just got that fish funk and you're you're good for a couple of weeks. Well, I
2: joke that I was like, "How do you like my outfit? I've been in it for the 4 days, you know." If you like there my a, hairstyle,
1: it hasn't changed. There is a diminishing grossness, right? Like yes. after day oh. 2 you're like, "Oh, I'm gross." After day 4 you're like, "Whatever." You
2: what know. ones are my best friend cuz I can at least get a little shower bath, feel good, and then we are catching fish every day though. So that's like what makes it worth it. If you're out, then you don't really worry about the rest of the stuff.
0: I never thought about using those wet ones out like dude wipes, on mm-hmm. four or five days of fishing or hunting. Hunting is much, I think hunting is much worse if you're not, you don't have a shower.
2: Another new one that we put into the new cabin is the air fryer.
0: It air was. fryers Stepping are up your awesome. game
2: when you don't have, I mean, we had a stove, but you know, you don't have running water to like clean dishes and stuff, throw stuff in the air fryer, it's ready to go. After you've been out on the ice all day, ready is food's ready in twenty minutes. It was pretty nice.
0: Yeah, that's, that's Dan, uh, Dan, Dan. I can't relate.
1: I can't. I don't. I don't eat fish.
2: You don't. <laughs> I don't. So, he's
1: so weird. I am weird about it.
2: Oh, that is interesting. So yeah. I actually am pretty picky with fish. It has to be fresh and not fishy. Otherwise, I'm not as big of a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I also find maybe this could help you too that fish that has really thick breading on it that's the stuff that i'm like Ugh, You're not into no that? Like, be- i like like the beer. beer
0: batter you don't like the beer batter yeah. so far it's like fluffy and see and you I, want it more flaky i
2: like it crispy like more crispy fish or just like not a lot of breading whatsoever on it just give me the fish don't give me all
1: the breading our dad is allergic to fish so we never grew okay. up eating it so i never really got a taste for it but i also don't like like wild game either Okay. I'm weird like that. Well, it's but okay. if you go fishing with me, you get to keep all of it. Yeah, like see, this, that's nice. This weekend I was out in South Dakota with uh, my church group, and my partner in the in the hut got to take home all the fish. Do you know how many perch you can keep in in South Dakota? <laughs> yeah, what, it's four, almost unlimited. F- four or five gallon pails. It is, <laughs> you, you, each person can cut, keep thirty.
0: Oh my gosh, thirty.
2: I haven't not. fished South Dakota. Now, how many have you guys fished, like, all across the country? No.
0: I fished from, well, basically Washington until Ohio. Okay. and then, So that's across the country. No, well, mm-hmm. no, I haven't fished out east very much. And then never fished down south other than, like, Texas. Like, got Florida and Georgia. <laughs> Just down south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fished Idaho, Montana. <laughs> I, I fished, I had a little bit of a... When I was like 18, 19. I had a little bit of a trout kind of quest to catch every trout species in the US.
2: That's super cool. Yeah. I think actually, I just was lucky enough this winter to have one of my best fishing experiences. Like, I always try to go and find across the country, like, unique, different types of experiences than what we can get right here. And, but I went back to lacrosse and I got to go out on an airboat. And mm. so it was like, December early ice still in a lot of places that you know we just had such a warm December you couldn't get out and so the guy took us out on the airboat and it was like launching from the landing on ice then on open water and we've got like 30 eagles flying all around us and then going back and like swerving into the backwaters of the Mississippi River just south of La Crosse and we pull in to this little kind of our own little pocket and I, I, I put my Markham down and I kind of like look back at the guide. I'm like, guys, what are you registering for depth? I'm in like three and a half foot. <laughs> and he's like, perfect. Get it, get it down there right away. And I was like, wait, really? And the other ones are like, yeah, I'm at like two nine. And I'm like, what? And sure enough, Those jumbo perch
1: just hammered, just
2: hammering it right down in in, a three foot water. It was really funny for TV as well, because you know, like you're trying to tell the photographer, like, fish on, like, get a shot of me quick, fish on, it's out out of the hole, fish Fish on, fish is out, fish on, fish is out. Okay, (laughs) so yeah, so that was a little bit more interesting. There wasn't quite the the fight as I had last weekend with the crappies where you're in suspended Mm and at least 10 foot, so you could. Have a little fun with them.
0: (laughs) Now I have to ask, after the airboat ride, you know, you go to bed, did you feel like you were still in the airboat and like moving around? No. (laughs) So that I had a wheelcraft I'm gonna say this is like eight or nine years ago. We went on a Malax, like on four inches out of um like in the bays, we went out as far as we could go and then fell in with the wheelcraft just to see if they would float. Yeah. And it was legit the next when I went to bed. I felt like I was bobbing still, still because there's so much motion all day and so much craziness. It was just insane.
2: So, I was wondering so, when you were in the Willcraft, because I went out in one in North Dakota this year and it was my first experience in it. And I, we also were on maybe four inches of ice. I was like, okay, this is this is not my game. I, Lindsay is not an early ice person. I'm like, you got, I'll wait a couple of weeks. I, I don't need to see and dibble and dabble with what the water temp is. I'm good. It's not <laughs> as bad as
0: you think. No, it's yeah. not good. Don't do but, that. No, I'm just kidding. It's terrifying. No one fall through.
2: But they put the buckets on the outside of the Willcraft, and, and I could hear... The popping and cracking and i'm like i know the difference between cracking and the sound of making ice like i i vividly know the difference between the two and i do not like the sound of this and <laughs> they didn't have the buckets so if we did fall through the buckets to plug the holes were not in the boat this you, was very concerning to me no those buckets are a
0: real important thing <laughs> yeah. as i found out when we went through yeah is the guy was like oh he grabs the bucket and then shoves it down the hole and then puts a strap over top i'm like what do you mean he was like, "Wow, well, we would win a sank." But I'm like, "Oh no, 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 no." I'm like, <laughs> "I don't want to try this floating suit out yet. Like no. it's I just bought it. Like I don't want to get it wet. I don't even know what a wheelcraft is." It's like a duck boat with a 25 horse Kohler on the back that has four-wheel drive.
2: And you can drive it on land. So like we drove it from the guy, so we were out with um Kurt Ree from PK Lures. and we drove it right from his place down to the water, and so it's like a four-wheeler because it has the four big tires that you can lift it up off, and then once you get out, you're able to like lower it down. Ooh. I mean, it it was...
1: Kind of like
0: a snow bear, but just with wheels?
2: Yeah, but it's not... You're not enclosed. It's a so.
0: oh. picture of a duck boat with duck giant boat. mud tires. Yes. And they go through anything. Actually, I think their biggest... Market that they should be in. That they're—is it like a search and rescue vehicle? That's what it feels like.
2: But it, but they're actually built right here in Saint Paul.
0: Yeah, really. Uh, well, there's
1: one up in uh, Bemidji that's like Sherpa or Sherpa. You know, have you seen any of these before?
0: No. Sh- okay. Anyways, are you talking the like the amphibious tank things with the six wheels? No, that's a different thing. Those are the Russian ones. Those look really cool.
1: But there's one up in Bemidji that the wheels—they're massive. They're Argo. Like th- That's what you're, that's what you're thinking. That's the six wheel
0: one. I'm thinking of the giant ones, the ones that you can't sink. Now Mm. we're going to start looking. I have to go. I have to look it up. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, Um, Willcrafts are amazing. Um, I've known actually the, the guy that owns it, Tom, I grew up with his niece throughout high school. So it was really weird to, I mean, we both kind of connected one day and we're like, Oh, that's your niece. But those Willcrafts are amazing and they do, a ton of search and rescues with them. I think they're really amazing for that.
2: And that's huge. And I think that was with the airboat, that was what the first experience I ever had with an airboat was learning from the lacrosse search and rescue of like how they would do a rescue of an ice fisherman who had gone through the ice. And I thought it was really interesting. Even this last week, I mean, you know, it's later in the year and we still had, I don't know if you heard, but Lake Michigan, Yep. Sixty-three people had to be rescued, Lake Superior, Superior today. as yeah, well. T- 20, so that's within, twenty people
0: today. Yeah, so yeah. that was
2: within. We've had almost a hundred people that had to get rescued from one shape or the other, just because the winds that we've had on those big bodies of water. I mean, you're out there fishing, and all of a sudden, now you're out on an island of ice. I couldn't imagine. I've never experienced something like that, or never I
0: know, hoped never to. Want to no. Yeah. When Actually, we were out on Malax, we drifted ten feet because the ice, the north end, broke free. We drifted down. The next weekend, there was a bunch of people that got rescued, but we were out further than that. We Mm. had actually, well, we, I was fishing, and then we're fishing on this little reef, and it's like 12 feet deep. By midday, I'm like, guys, why my depth finder's not working. It says 18. And we start looking, and up, you know, 500 yards north, there's an ice crack opening up further and further. And he's like, I think we should go back now. I'm like, I guess. I'm like, I don't really want to die here, guys. Oh, my
2: goodness. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, so, so it was it
0: was Sherp that's what it's Sherp. called. It, oh, yeah, that is yeah. what I was thinking. See these before? So it's like oh, the yeah. tires are
1: so inflated that it floats on the tires, and then the tires become its own paddle. Anyways, whatever. I'm up. That's, well, all, that's way off tax.
2: <laughs> no, but it's it's interesting to see all the different products, and I, I thought that it was really cool to actually finally fish out of a wellcraft because we were able to get on some crappies, and I... I was blown away. I mean, I've always wanted to catch a 15 inch crappie. I didn't catch it myself that day, but uh, I got to witness it and they were laughing. They're like, can we bring you along more often? Cause I'm like (laughs) your super bowl cheerleader. Like I, I want everyone to have their best day ever. And like, if you're not going to get excited and cheer about your fish, I'm going to for you, you know? So I
0: think that's one thing (laughs) I've learned in the last two years is I'm way more animated than catching fish now with my kids with me than I ever used to be. Because I catch fish by myself. I'm like, I'm not going to be like, woo, I got a 30-inch one! But yeah. I catch one with my kid and I'm like, woo, we got a 12-inch one! When we were
1: out on the on the youth fishing club, yeah. like that was exciting, watching those
0: kids catch those bass. It was exciting and it was terrifying because there was five wacky hooks going all over my head. Like <laughs> no. I was waiting for one to sink
1: in. And they've only been
0: casting for like a day and a half, yeah. Like two hours. But yeah, we caught a bunch of fish. I can't fun. believe how many fish those kids caught and how much they enjoyed it. And then you have little mini contests. And those kids just loved it. Yeah, it was a great day.
2: So my biggest walleye, um, we were actually filming an off-road show in Canada, in Quebec. And they told us, all right, you're just going to go out at the end of the night. We'd like to show off that we also, the resort has fishing amenities as well. And I'm like, perfect. And the guides are like, well, we're just going to go right by shore. I'm like, no this is a good wall. I like you take me to the best spot. Like that's where I need to be. I am here to fish and they were all laughing. So sure enough, they take me out and um, I cast out and we're doing, you know, they're filming and I'm talking well, and all of a sudden we're, I'm like, okay, we've actually got a good fish here. Like, let's start filming. So we're trolling and I'm reeling this thing in and I'm thinking, Oh, got a nice Northern. This isn't a walleye. This thing is way too big to be a walleye. Mm -hmm. So surfaces once way far out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, nice, nice Northern surfaces again. I'm like walleye (laughs) and on film, they have it. Like my expression going from like, just kind of smiling, like, Oh, I've got a nice fish here to being like, get the net and nobody, we cannot lose this Don't fish. Like I up. need this fish in the boat and I, I need this fish. And so it's just really funny. Cause I totally was a little schoolgirl at the end of catching that walleye. Of like, whoa,
0: my god so, so I got out how big was the walleye then?
2: So it was 29 inches.
0: That's a big walleye.
2: Yeah. And it had a nice belly on her. You know, so I, I, I was happy website. about I it. Yeah. It,
0: it, it. I see the picture. But I, I, didn't browse com. Web- <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I didn't browse her website that much. That's before. okay. <laughs> I mean, because I already knew her. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's a good picture, though. No, it's a that's huge awesome. fish. Mm-hmm. And I caught my big walleye before we were really big into taking fish pictures. Yeah. I used to be terrible at taking fish pictures. I would take the, lay them on the dock, take the picture, and release them because I fish by myself all the time. Mm-hmm. So I caught a 31, I was pretty jacked. Wow, that's great. That's hard to do.
2: Yeah, and especially I said, too, like catching that and being in Minnesota or somewhere versus up in Quebec where it's a little bit more common to get a fish <laughs> of that size. I still, I was like, I don't care. It was so, so much fun. You know, and everybody has their own story. You don't always have to have a picture of it for it to still be your favorite no. memory and things. But so. it's, still,
1: it's nice to be able to it. But back. it is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I had mine on the dock, and it, no matter what, it measures at 31 because the dock boards don't lie. Yeah. Because everybody's like, it's not a 31. I said, the dock boards are five and a quarter inches. They're like, oh. I got to be in the shack to yeah. watch two people get their personal best. I lost my w- personal best Winnipeg. in the winter, and I
1: lost my mind. It was a lot of fun. My dad on Winnipeg got a 28. And then last year, a guy that I was with got a 29 and a half. And it was fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and my personal best came on Minnetonka. Really? Throwing for bass in the middle of the summer. Hot summer day. Isn't that inch. such
2: an amazing lake? I just My favorite. Yeah, it's so impressive of just the different pockets of it and the diversity that you can have and really just the actual quality of the fish because it's. It's it amazing. blows my mind I, I keep saying I'm like I live so close to it and everyone's like aren't you, don't you know every hot spot and I'm just like no I, I still feel like there's so much to learn about mm-hmm. that body of water
1: yeah well Larry Hansen yes our, our exactly <laughs> he, he'd be a good story for you yeah at some point he's, he, he's he would a, be.
0: He's a, he's a legend of legend. he's an people, awesome character people don't realize the guy's probably caught more fish in minnetonka than any of us will catch in our lifetime oh yeah at least.
2: Yeah. Well, he we also thought, found something really interesting with the underwater camera um, when we were up north. My uncle fishes his lake pretty regularly, and he had caught a 25-inch walleye and was like fired up. He couldn't believe that he had got this out of his area. So he took us out there and was like, let's all kind of fish in that area. So we are put everything out, and he's like, yeah, it seems like there's going to be a lot of weeds right along this area. Let's, let's put your hut up right there. And I laughed because... I put the water, the underwater camera down and I was like, there's no weeds here. Like, I I don't know what you're talking about. It's just pretty sandy there. There's not a lot of structure anywhere to be found. And this is where you caught that walleye. Doesn't really make sense. Well, a little bit closer to night, all of a sudden, what do we have? Little fingerling perch everywhere under the sun. You couldn't, it was like, I was blown away by how many where there were. And I'm like these cameras have really educated me a lot in this moment of like that's why that walleye was here because look at what just came in dinner for the night you and know it probably
1: looked like weeds on the on the
0: vexlar
2: yeah it was crazy how many had come in it, so. it was
0: probably like a bait ball of perch yeah. where it mm-hmm. gets so thick that the depth finder reads it as something different mm-hmm. or bottom sometimes if they get thick enough
2: yeah so it was interesting
0: yeah cameras cameras don't lie no. And they they uh I, I watched or I told my dad that he was catching a walleye on the camera a couple weeks ago. I saw it hit his slender spoon from twenty feet away and I said, Dad, set the hook. He goes, What? Dad, set the hook. He goes, I don't know. Oh, I got a walleye. I'm like, God. I'm like, I've been telling you just to set the hook. I watched your spoon disappear. Camera didn't lie. They don't lie. I had to focus right on his stuff and I just watched the walleye come cruise by and, and smack it.
2: I've had a lot more fish this year than I've ever seen before. Maybe because I'm watching them more, where I've just like laid it on the bottom and watched them pick it up, and versus actually like jigging it and trying to piss them off and (laughs) come up after and strike. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna lay it down here on the bottom and then watch it. Do you
1: get usable footage from your cameras?
2: Yeah, so luckily, this is my first year using the Markham pursuit. And with that one, you can actually put in a micro SD and it will record the whole thing. Mm-hmm. As so, long as
0: you hit the record button. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you don't hit the record button. It doesn't work.
2: Right. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting to kind of use that more and see, and it HD quality. I mean, where you're having it. And obviously some people get very frustrated with it um, because of the fact of it, highly depends on water clarity and the time of day we had even discussed earlier like morning and night not so great middle of the day like later i would say like from one in the afternoon until you know three thirty four, you get really great lighting as long as you're in about 10 feet of water but it's the clarity of it is pretty insane of yeah the only thing i will say it's getting me a little too excited because the fish look a little larger on camera, <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden you pull it out of the hole and you're expecting that 15 inch crappie, and it's a good 10 incher, but it's not quite 15.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's that so, water distortion. Yeah, the fisheye lens. Like, well, wait, yeah. the camera puts on a couple pounds. Right? There you so, go. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, no, I use a pursuit too, and I, I love it. I think I use mine more of just to teach myself what. So if I can't. What I learned, catch a fish and then go out the next day and look at that spot in the daytime. Mm. And I'm like, why was that fish there? Why what what brought him there? And I think you can learn a lot from a camera. And the biggest thing is not to fish sometimes when you're trying to learn. Put the rods down, hit record. And why I hit record because my attention span's only about seven <laughs> seconds. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's a really good tool. And I think people
2: And we were only about six feet away like, wait, we put the underwater camera down. Like we were first just fishing in the shack where they set up. And then we could see often the distance that in the weed bed that you could see all of the crappies over there. And it was like, okay, they're not far from us, but we're not on them. And they're not coming to me right now. So we just moved the shack the one weekend you know, good eight feet over. And it was crazy how different than of an afternoon we had by having that little movement.
0: Yeah. It's, it's sometimes real subtle. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be just a little one foot hump. It could be, you know, a, a stick or a stump that all these fish are just, they cruise by and it, it, it can be very subtle and almost impossible to find by just blindly drilling holes. Yeah. It's the spot on the spot. Yeah. It doesn't work as well at, at nighttime. No, no but no and
2: you can also spend a little bit too much time finicking around with it versus just fishing cuz sometimes i joke I, I was like super excited to get it set up for my dad and family to use but then i was like when do i get to finally fish? <laughs> i'm over here doing all the tech stuff the for guide. an hour i want to i feel for the guides they they do a great they, job they of getting hard. people out there and
1: they work hard
2: yeah and i am so blown away and that's one thing some of the pictures on my instagram and facebook like i don't deserve half the credit for because we have had amazing guides get us to some really cool spots and it's been so fun to tell their story Mm -hmm. but i've really enjoyed featuring them because i can't tell you off that airboat story in lacrosse how many people from all over who have been like where did you go and how can i do that that's a once in a lifetime trip you know because we were just slaying jumbo perch too. Yeah. Like getting a jumbo perch like that for some is pretty fun.
1: And in a place that, you know, that river is not that wide, but right. there's a lot of places to hide in it at that. I mean, yeah. you'd never find it a boat.
2: Right. And we talked about it. I had said just the diversity when I worked in lacrosse years ago, I actually did a fishing segment down um, on the Minnesota side, south of La Crescent Mm -hmm. and actually close to Stoddard. And um, I will never forget. The only thing from that story I remember is we were slaying jumbo perch and the guide was like, you know, well, you may not have a Valentine for Valentine's Day, but you got some real nice fish on the ice, you know? And I was like, I'll take it. I don't need a man today. (laughs) And I just remember a single Lindsay was so excited about him saying that. And then (laughs) being on on this trip, um, you know, we were Close, but on a completely opposite side, on the Wisconsin side, a little bit further down, and um, having the same experience, but in a completely different aspect where you like we could access it from the road in Stoddard, whereas where we were in the airboat, I I mean, it was like nobody's out here, nobody has touched these fish guaranteed uh, yet. So it was nice to have first dibs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love it down there. Yeah. It's awesome. Can I circle back to something you talked about before the break? Sure. So you were talking about the elk hunt. Yes. With that, with with that girl, mm-hmm. and I've always wondered on shows like like what I've seen you on. Wh- where do you get the the stories from? Like, how do you find people like that?
2: Yeah, that's great. I love social media for those aspects because it's really a lot of people have started to share their story on social media, and then that helps you generate them, but. A lot of it is talking to people. Uh, Outdoor shows are a great place of when you're at a booth and you're talking to people, people will come up and say, hey, I've got this great story or this great story. And then a lot of it is um, just, getting involved with any local clubs, you know, when I was trying to do stories about women and getting involved in the outdoors of reaching out to those different organizations and saying, Hey, do you have any great stories Uh, or is there anything I can feature? So a lot of it is twofold. Some stories end up in your lap and a lot of them, then you'll just pick up, um, via social media and things and then just retouch base with that person and grow a story. But, um, the truth is, is that having an outdoor show it, and having enough content for that outdoor show is not the problem. There are mm. so many great outdoor stories of um, really true inspiration that they can't all be told, uh, which is kind of the sad thing because there. I've had so many stories sent to me that were amazing stories, but they didn't meet the time frame that we had to get there because we were going to be somewhere else or something. And so that's actually the, one of the hardest things is having a great story in your lap and just not having the time or having a prior commitment to not be able to tell it. Mm-hmm. Or my most frustrating one is having a great story come into your lap, but missing it. So like this year there was a guy who had bone cancer and He knew that he was going to um, have his legs have to be amputated. And so he wasn't going to be able to walk to his deer stand anymore. So this was going to be his last year um, being able to physically like walk on his own to his deer stand. And he got a monster buck um, and he posted it on the Rut Report in Wisconsin. And, you know, I saw it on the Rut Report and read the whole story and I'm in tears about it. And I'm just like, gee, I mean, it's still a good story to tell, but man, if I could have got that footage of him walking to the stand and, and getting to tell that story and be there when he got that buck, I, I think everybody would have really enjoyed uh, hearing, you know, his story. But, um, you know, it's just one of those that we can tell it, I guess, through the pictures now that he has a, of the big buck and the, and the story he has there. So.
0: Uh, I think that'd be hard. You, you get to hear these stories, and I, I would be really, I'd be emotionally attached to every single person. Yeah, I, I just, I would. I, I don't know if I could do that.
2: It is hard because I had a story of a young boy. His name was Zach Lambright, and he was 19 years old. We followed him on an elk hunt, and he had uh, leukemia, and it was his last hunt that I got to record. And the parents told me, like, this video is the last time we got to hear his voice. And we watched it at the funeral. And, like, I drove back to Wisconsin to be at it.
0: That's hard.
1: Yeah. But I think a lot of the best stories are the ones where you can tell the people are emotionally connected to it. Yeah. You know, like the, the hosts, you know, that's that's powerful that people are willing to share those moments with you.
2: Yeah. And he's forever with me, you know, like I still stay in touch with his family and things now from it. I mean, you in the industry, that's the thing I love about the outdoors. There have been so many people that I've met that they're not just like a fishing buddy or somebody that you just like met and was like, hi, nice to meet you. Goodbye. They're like people that are lifelong friends or, Hey, you're coming back to North Dakota go here. This is the best fishing spot. Oh, Hey, congrats on, on your big buck. Look at the one I got, you know, you like create a new family of people that all love the same thing as you. And you don't have that. I don't think in a lot of other different avenues where sometimes, you know, my favorite quote ever is you, some people come into your life for a season, a reason or a lifetime. And you kind of like categorize like where, where are those? And I really feel like a lot of the outdoor aspects, they're not just there for that little reason. They're there for a lifetime. You get a lot of like new friends from the outdoors from that.
1: Which is That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Lindsay, we really appreciate you being here today. Well, this hey, has been a ton of fun. You yeah.
2: guys are wonderful, and I really enjoy getting to know you guys better throughout this. And thank you for being such great advocates for the outdoors and fishing, and also for getting kids involved, which I think is fabulous.
0: Yeah, well, it's awesome. The next yeah. generation of fishermen and women. That's it's great. a lot. It's a lot of fun
1: for me to get to do that.
0: I think it's for me now. It's more enjoyable watching kids catch fish or my my kids or someone else's kid catch fish than me. I I, I don't, when I go out with like even uh, my neighbor's kids and stuff, I don't care if I catch fish anymore. It's all about them. If they see the fish on the camera, they get to catch one. They'll talk about it for two, three weeks. My kid still talks about driving the four-wheeler for the first time on the ice. He's seven, by the way, don't let your kids drive the four-wheeler at seven, (laughs) but that's what he, he, you know, show and share at school. He, told everyone how he drove a four-wheel across the ice. His teacher.
1: <laughs> the teacher. CPS was knocking at your door. <laughs> yep.
0: We got an email. Well, it's was a very proud dad moment. <laughs> like, we can't, uh, <laughs> we're not supposed to tell about this stuff.
2: Yeah, but. I know. Isn't that the hard part? I-, so,
0: I was so proud. I was like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what you say. No, that's not what you say in school. <laughs>
2: Yeah, my, I joked that like turning 16 and getting my driver's license, I was like, oh, big whoop. Like I've been driving on the farm since I don't know how young. Like this isn't exciting to me.
1: We <laughs> talk about driving cars in class and I'm always like, who's ever driven a car? And they're like, uh, don't tell on me. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. Well, again, thank you for being here, Lindsay. This has been fantastic. And I, I can't wait to see, you know, the new stuff that you come up with and, and the new stories that you get to tell. And, and we're really glad that you could be here with us tonight. Yeah, thanks guys. Thank you all for tuning into the Ice Spin. We look forward to seeing you guys on a next episode. And uh, we'll talk soon.